0: me start over because it was really depressing when we did the other one so hello hey guys hey guys welcome to church and other Drugs. what's going on is that better
1: i feel much better about that thank you i appreciate it
0: um what's going on man not shit dude Just chilling yeah sunday
1: kicking it kicking it like karate
0: um so i had another uh uh, I had my second and third um addiction counselor training class, right? Huh? Uh and it would do is, huh? is that your notebook? It is. Is that your notebook? It is. It is. It's got my name on it. Oh <laughs> Louisiana okay, did you get a- Addiction Counselor Training. Jed blink. <laughs> 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 I'm not I'm not ready for that. I think I've already given it away though. Um I think- no, it was a rough one, dude. It it like it, it, it fucked with me hard, which I will get to in a second. But first, um, this is time for another round of things I heard in class. Stupid ass things I heard in class from future counselors. Uh, I wrote it down this time.
1: Thank you oh. for that. By the way, I think next time if you could like just set a voice recording, that would be ideal. Oh, I would keep-
0: that would be. Um, the first first genius uh question well why would anyone try math <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it's like it's a valid question actually
0: <laughs> i i literally my, my my literal odd audible instant answer was because it's awesome
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you for real said that that's incredible
0: yeah out loud. i was like because it's awesome Anyway.
1: That's so great. I tried meth once on accident, and it was not awesome.
0: Well, you didn't. I, I had a bag of Coke
1: with meth, and it, and I thought I was going to die. It was, wow. like, the
0: worst thing possible. Gross. I'll blame that on the Coke. Uh, next one. Um, well, we just need – I'm trying to do it in their voices, too. Um, we. I think we just need to work on prevention to get the kids not to start doing drugs. <laughs> It's like uh okay and and all of us said hey you know what doesn't work prevention <laughs> like, <laughs> um next that's funny moonshine ugh, that's nasty that's
1: it doesn't taste great it gets the job done though
0: yeah um this this was now this one was a legitimate question because we were going through alcohol and it was the types of alcohol uh, guy raises his hand. Yes, malt liquor has a little more kick to it, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um,
1: that's incredible.
0: This was just are these a,
1: people. Yes, God. dude. These
0: people are gonna be fucking counselors, man. All right, the next one is alcohol or pill addiction worse? I wish
1: I wish the internet could see your face.
0: After you ask,
1: after you ask that question, it's like,
0: oh come on, son. I and we have to pick our battles. The those of us that are alcoholics in there, like some of these, I'm just like, like I just like go on with your bad self, man. Uh, um, Vienna sausage cures a hangover. I heard that. What? V- Vienna sausage cures a hangover. Did, what
1: does
0: that even? What? We were talking about hangovers, and someone's like, you know, Vienna sausage cures a hangover. Like. Okay, bud. Can I? I, w- I want to slap you in the mouth. Yeah. Um, this was. Good. Um, I think people just need to have more intestinal fortitude, and they'll be able to resist drugs and alcohol. Oh yeah. my god,
1: get out! Intestinal. Get out.
0: That's that's the answer. Intestinal fortitude. Thanks, bud. <laughs> intestinal. And this this is the dude. Like three of them are from this one guy that's like graduating next quarter. So it's fucking. uh and the best oh no not the best no the best is next but some dude made a parallel between 9-11 and alcoholism to to which my reply was (coughs) bush did it and like (laughs) no no, and i did it loud and like no i guess it was a super republican crowd because nobody even budged at that one
1: did they Um, even know what you were talking about i wonder if it just like went over their heads i
0: think it just went over their heads um uh and the best one we were talking about um abscesses from shooting up and uh, how you can get flesh eating bacteria and this guy raises his hand and goes now is flesh eating bacteria is that contagious <laughs> <laughs> the, the teacher's like
1: <laughs>
0: the teacher oh, no no it's not contagious
1: um, that's so funny, dude.
0: And then, and then the note I just I just saw this. I I wrote it down on a piece of paper and showed it to the guy next to me. It just says, "I'm not gonna make it." <laughs> so <I was> just, <laughs> um, oh, oh man. So that's what I heard. But what? Um, they're
1: gonna kill people.
0: Yeah, but no, dude. It um, it, it really really messed with me in a in a significant way because we had to. Uh, well, first, the first day, we just watched, like, a two-hour video on meth, and and it just showed the same shot over and over of, of just a pound of, of crystal meth, which just nothing looks more beautiful. <laughs> like, and it, it, it's not like I've, I've fiended over it, but it, it just, it, it brought back every specific um really odd twisted memory of me using meth and everything that goes along with it and my friend next to me the same thing happened to him so that just kind of messed me up not really bad but just like okay it was just um in the class it made me feel feelings made me feel obvious. dirty yeah and the class is in baton rouge where where mm-hmm. i did all this stuff so just all of the above just leads to a really really nasty feeling and so the next day um they showed this HBO hardcore documentary on it, it. Um, it cased like five teenage kids that were involved in, um, drunk driving accidents and got traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. And dude, it just showed them like the things that mess with me. It showed them cause this has happened to me like four times I've been in the hospital situation and it showed the mom next to the bed, just looking at her son who's unconscious and crying and right. showing them just sticking catheters in them and needles in them. And, uh, and it made me realize uh, uh, that that is where my giving blood thing really comes from because I've been like medically tortured dude. Like I've did like, so I've been poked and prodded and, stuck in just so many times in these god-awful situations and uh like I really have like post traumatic stress from it like bad because I I couldn't dude I was squirming I broke out in a cold sweat like it makes my uh the crooks of my arms and my kneecaps like blood rushes to them and I feel wobbly and weak and it just dude and I was just sitting there just squirming in my chair the whole time and then I got home and uh like I almost cried it was like it was like a, a whole I just went through this whole gambit of emotions and I um and the the part that hit me was this little 15 year old kid came out of his coma and his mom was there and he started yelling at his mom and I did that same shit in the hospital because, uh. because they give and it was just like oh it's just like broke my heart. Like and yelling
1: at her like why the fuck are you here? I hate you. Like yes that sort of dude thing. and I did that same thing because uh, I was all yeah. benzoed Get out,
0: out. and like when you have brain any kind of brain injury um, your emotions usually just switch to anger and rage. It's like it's not really your fault. You're not really there but. Right. Um, it's
1: heartbreaking though. Oh my dude.
0: god and then I was like I was like if I have to I was like God I've been through enough like please just don't I don't want to have to go through this with, with my kids. Like, uh, I really don't.
1: Dude, I've told I've told you like the one prayer that I prayed
0: about my kids. Yeah. That they don't have it. Good Lord. I've like begged God. And maybe, um, I mean, cause, and then, and then that sent me down the rabbit hole of like, yeah, dude, haven't, haven't I suffered enough, man? <laughs> like, ugh.
1: yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know about that, but I, I don't want it for them, you know, like I
0: don't. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I don't know, man. So all, all in all, dude, it, uh, it was, it was a tough weekend.
1: Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Um, How long is your, how long are your your classes are like a year long too, right? Like it's not a short.
0: Yeah. But this, this will be the, I mean, this is the, the pharmacology aspect. So it's, it's probably the, um, it's the most visceral and then i can look around and tell the people that are just completely unaffected or they're or they're, they're just like detached from it and i'm just like dude well they haven't lived it oh i know it's, right? it's giving me like, there's it's no giving personal me straight up flashbacks man yeah 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 that's bad
1: that's got to be tough dude it and is. i you know The people that want to get into—I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand normies, quote unquote normies, that would want to get into this field. Like they have to have some serious compassion, or like some some real deal codependency issues. Um, But for for us that want to get into it, like I can understand that wanting to help people. Um, But like I I personally don't have the patience or pain tolerance to to sit through and watch that um like I feel like I get enough of it sponsoring men to go back out <laughs> I don't need to like do that for a living well I know what I say I, I mean I, when, I, when I say I get enough of it I mean like I think that I'm at my limit emotionally
0: um I can I can detach when I'm if somebody comes to me and says I'm going through this and I've been through it there's a detachment there and it's it's like that's where what I've been through is a strength and I'm like Hey I've been through this and da 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 da, da. yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What, what messes me up is when i I see something and I attach it to my experience so that's why I think I think I'll be like when it's when it's like one on one with a person it it doesn't really affect me like like that does sure. And well, I, and what I'm what
1: I'm saying is, is like for me it's it can be heartbreaking when like I get through a fourth and a fifth step with somebody or whatever and then they go start shooting dope again and I never hear from them, you know what I mean? And then I like see them on the street two years later and they look like shit. Yeah, right. That oh. that's that's the part that like emotionally like I I don't think I can handle that.
0: Oh, and that yeah. yes. Speaking of which, that's that was the other thing um, is I call him my little brother. He's like my he, He's exactly fucking like me, and he's following my path exactly. He's he's like six or seven years younger than me. Um, okay. And So he's trying to he's trying to get sober again. He, he drove from California back to Louisiana, and he's uh trying to move to uh, Lafayette. And so I'm trying to help him get into a sober living. And my buddy Brad and Elizabeth just got out of or Elizabeth just got out of rehab. Brad's still in it, so I'm trying to help them find a sober living. And I realize that I'm like uh internalizing a lot of responsibility that is not mine. And so it's just, like, dude, yeah, it's just, like, my stress level. I guess that's why I was just, like, ready to just cry because my stress level is just super high.
1: And here's the thing, like, be careful because I see you carrying, like, other people's salvation,
0: right? Yeah, dude.
1: No. Um, you... Carrying other people's sobriety is hard. Like it's hard for everybody in recovery, right? Like we want to do everything that we can to help people get sober, um, but we can't. We can't carry. We are not powerful enough. If no. we were powerful enough, like we could, we wouldn't need God, right? Right. Um, so it's just it's a it's a fucking trap. Yeah, it is a trap. Right. So
0: so well, uh, we gotta anyway. we gotta yeah I know that. That went all over the place, um, but this is you know my podcast, not yours, so
1: well, it's mine too. Don't talk. Don't I was, talk I was, to was talking
0: though. to the congregation This listening, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear all this bullshit, and that's why I was like, Man, shut up, dude. Go start. <laughs> shut <own."> up, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, mate. Uh, we're calling Israel, we're calling the motherland. It's
1: true, I think that, yes, Israel why
0: I want to title the episode is Israel real that's stupid it's not man it's it's real dumb. but but it's spelled I- Israel <laughs> <laughs> uh, were, like, quiz quiz quickly. what does Israel mean what does Israel mean I don't know to wrestle with God really really to struggle with God excuse me that's the translation it's pretty that's pretty poignant
1: yeah in hebrew
0: it's in hebrew uh it's Sorry. in Israeli i'm so oh, bad when i'm tired dude yeah whatever man. Let's call I'm, call, I'm calling i'm
1: calling why now Welcome, y-, y to the show. Excited to have you all the way from Israel. Yes,
0: Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv.
1: So, uh, what time is it in Tel Aviv? It
2: is five fourteen in the evening. Interesting. It and is it's like eight here.
0: eight in the morning where I'm at. <laughs> oh nice. no, it's it's nine now, but. it might
1: feel like eight
0: yeah it does um
1: well thanks thanks for popping on with us man we're really excited to have you and um really appreciate you coming on um you know we think we you have an interesting story to tell i've known why um since we got sober like together right about that same time
2: yeah Uh, i think you are just a couple months ahead of me
1: yeah or behind maybe
0: i don't know
2: we definitely got sober at the same time
0: yeah 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 y'all met in charleston Yes. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so
1: um, just kind of want to, you know, why is um, living in Israel um, identifies as Jewish, right? Kind of. He gave the kind of <laughs> um, face.
2: I'll explain it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, we got sober together in Charleston. So like, obviously, that's the Bible Belt, which can make things interesting um, and wanted to kind of get you on to tell Uh, really like your story right and and um jen and i will ask questions as we go because um i think you're a very interesting human being um and i'm sure that our listeners will too so
0: so what happened to
2: you uh (laughs) so
0: specific (laughs) so like what's your deal man
2: (laughs) what's your damage man um Okay, so I guess I'll just start with a little bit of who I am before I get into, like, what's my story. Um, I I am, shall we say, culturally Jewish. I was raised in a Jewish family. However, both my parents converted before I was born. And my parents' generation, or my grandparents, uh, very Christian. Um... And, like, my great-grandfather is a fire and brimstone Baptist preacher, so that kind of gives that, the hitting had a massive influence on my family. Mm -hmm. So, from birth, there was already some bit of conflict in my life between me and other generations, and within my own family.
0: Were they the... That made um,
2: things interesting.
0: were Mm -hmm. Were they the, um, what is it called, um complete jews what What are the jews that believe that jesus is the messiah what's the the messianic jews yes yes were they like which jewish were they
2: uh my parents are reform uh which is one of the more liberal branches there's like three different main ideologies of judaism uh, reform which is what my parents are is Uh, The main principle behind the Reform Movement is that there are the rules that God has given us, and we choose to follow certain rules, or not other rules. We we must make a conscious, moral, and ethical choice based on these rules, and we decide as to how much we want Judaism to be a part of our life. (laughs) And then you have the Orthodox— and the basic tenets of orthodoxy is uh, that you don't have a choice. Yeah. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to even care. But the point is, that you have to follow. And then there's reform, uh, conservative, which is somewhere in the middle. And but I grew up in a family that was very, shall we say, liberal on that on that plan, on that concept. But I think it also has to do with my parents' political views led them to that decision.
0: Where does uh, so he, where does Jesus land on the Reformed? I'm super Jewish, ignorant. ignorant.
2: No, man, he's he's a dude. Okay. Um, and if I'm completely honest, uh, growing up in the South, because I was I was born in Charleston, um, uh, Jesus always left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. Uh, to be honest, um, because of the things done in Jesus' name.
0: Yeah, to you Jew- mm.
2: and even to me, and I guess I'll get to that later on. But uh, as far as like for me, kind of going back to what I was starting with is, uh, I grew up in mostly Charleston, South Carolina. I was culturally culturally Jewish, and on top of that, I'm a bisexual, queer, kind of gendery fluid dude, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict in recovery. Um, if
0: if you so, yeah if if if, if, you, if you tell me you have a gambling problem too, then you 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 win.
2: <laughs> no gambling, but highly oh, no. highly
1: codependent.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh man, aren't we all? I Jeez. know. It.
1: My wife's gone, and I don't know what to do with myself. Think <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, for real.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Dude, that's a – yeah, let's dive into all that.
2: Yeah. Oh, and on top of that, I'm a fairly liberal dude in the South, too, um, which I also – I think that's an understatement,
1: the fairly li- fairly liberal right. politically.
0: All right. What was your uh, – uh, what was your uh, DOC? What was your drug of choice?
2: Um, so my – I had two. Uh, well, if I'm honest, I had three. My first one was people. Um, I totally like, I got into recovery, uh, because I was very, uh, deeply infatuated with this one girl. Uh, shall we say stalking her? (laughs) If I'm off. Uh, she and I had gone out for about two years and she broke up with me and I didn't get the message. And, um, it finally clicked one day, and uh, she was like, I can't be with you. And she was so nice that she couldn't even say, I won't be with you. She let me off even easier than that. And um, uh, I had this notion that I needed help, and I went sent to rehab. And I, it was like, I had a choice of this rehab, this rehab, or this rehab. So I, that was my choice. And I went to one, and one they—they <laughs> uh, they kind of I, I just kind of figured I'll, yeah, I'll say I'm an alcoholic just to shut you people up and oh, let me, man. Uh, just so I can keep keep going. And I started with that, and uh, I kind of found out it's not normal to drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels and Evan Williams. And sing nakila fall off the table into a bonfire, get back up and start all over again.
1: Uh,
0: well, this it sounds normal to me. I don't see anything wrong. With that. Uh, I know.
1: It sounds like a great Thursday night.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So there was that. So it was alcohol, uh, which it I didn't have a preferred type. I can tell you I have no clue what a martini tastes like. I don't oh, know. Me
0: neither, my friend.
2: I have no clue what any fancy drink tastes like. I just drank straight from the bottle. And, um, uh, the fanciest drink I ever drank was a Jaeger bomb. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> bros rejoice everywhere.
0: Oh uh, yeah. The class is just oozing off of that statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. And,
2: uh, I used to smoke a whole lot of pot laced with PCP.
0: Um, nice. Did not a, a know wet really- stick, man.
2: Yeah, I did not know that I was doing that until after I got sober. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I talked to a few people, I traded some stories, talked to some old using buddies and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I was totally."
0: So, totally. So so you were like, "Man, you know when you like smoke a joint and then like the spaghetti the monster comes out from behind the tree and they're like, "No, man, no. like not at all."
1: Yeah,
2: that was pretty much
0: it. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so we got people, booze, and sweet lady PCP. That's so funny. Um, all right. So, so continue. So you went to rehab for yeah for codependency, uh, I, basically, and then found yeah. out found out you have the uh the ism.
2: The ism, yeah. Um, and it was one of those things that I was. So let me kind of roll back just a little Um, at this time when I went to rehab, I had been going to a military school and uh, I had been doing all right off and on. My drinking wasn't day to day or my using wasn't day to day. It was I was definitely a bender kind of guy. Uh, I'd go on a bender for every weekend. But then like when the summer came, I'd go on a bender for like a few weeks and then I'd be done Then a few weeks and I'd be done. Uh, and two months before I got into to rehab, I weighed about 165, 170, and as I spiraled down, uh, I dropped all the way down to 124. Oof, um, how old are you? you can, I was 19, no, 20, 20,
0: excuse me. Oh, so how old are you now? Uh, I'm 28. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah, uh, you could see my heartbeat through my chest. oh
1: man yeah yeah that's how that's how i i weighed like 123 when i went into treatment when i was 18 it was all from the cocaine i was like sunken skeleton face and
0: all of that stuff Man, did did you get picked up by calvin klein
2: (laughs) 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 but um but so i that's the kind of physical state i was in when i got in and um, my first day there, uh, this really shaped my experience that I had in recovery and kind of in life after that. Um, at, uh, I went to this really hippie rehab and they did a sweat lodge. And what, what was it called? The Ranch. Uh, it's in it Nunley, Utah? Tennessee. Oh, okay. Okay. No, Nunley, Tennessee. And, um, they did this like five round uh, sweat. And leading up to it, I heard the very stereotypical Do you have a higher power? What is it? And the, they gave the doorknob analogy. And I was like, That's stupid. Uh, and then, well, why, don't you, <laughs> why
0: don't you explain the doorknob analogy? Some people might not know.
2: Yeah. Well, and so they're like, I'm like, That's stupid. And they're like, Well, here's a doorknob. Can you control it? I'm like, No. What do you mean? Like, can, you, can you change it with your mind? Can you make it do something? Can you make? Can you just by your will make it be something else? And I was like, no. And then they were like, well, if this doorknob is hit, like thrown at you and hit you in the head, can you still control it? No. Like, and finally I was like, okay, maybe I'll give in to that. But, so that kind of like cracked the door just a little for me. And then we started going through this sweat. And I had this very kind of military, like, I must be strong mentality, despite the fact that I looked like a skeleton. And we were going through these sweat lodges, and it's insanely hot in there. And I didn't want to be this guy who stepped out, because I couldn't be viewed as weak. And in about the fourth out of five rounds, and it's pitch black in there, all of a sudden, I see in bright neon lights, the word love. And, um... I was afraid to talk about it. I was totally afraid to talk about it. Uh, because I thought I was having a hallucination and then if I said anything, they would send me to a loony bin. Despite the fact yeah. that I'm in a loony bin. Isn't that like
0: the, <laughs> Isn't that like the purpose of sweat lodges? To see things, essentially.
2: Uh yeah, and to like get down to who you are.
0: Because it 'cause it'll to, right. it'll totally put you in a in a delirious state, huh? Like you can't yeah. have been you can't have been the only one that saw th- I bet everyone was like, uh, nothing happened in there at all. <laughs> that sounds crazy, you guys, right? Uh,
2: pretty much. Um, but I was still afraid to talk about it. And in fact, for the next few days, um I just got crazier. Uh I started having hallucinations, auditory and visual hallucinations, and, and I I had this terrible hallucination that was haunting me in my dreams and when i was awake and it was this giant gorilla it was just a skull and muscles with no eyes long sharp teeth and long spindly fingers tearing away at my soul um
0: well, that sounds pleasant
2: and yeah it was wonderful <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. And, and i was i was going insane in the the therapists there were trying to understand me, and I was making no sense whatsoever. Um, and they were asking me about some relationships, because I originally went there for codependency. And they couldn't tell the difference between my ex-girlfriend, my mother, and some random girl. Because all, it was all flowing together, and I was going making no sense. And they finally gave me to an army therapist. And uh, the thing that got me out of it more than I was able to focus on before anything else, the first thing I was able to focus on in sobriety, uh, he asked me, tell me something that you like. And I don't know why this came to me, but I started thinking about the Tavor battle rifle, which is an Israeli battle rifle. And I just broke it down and broke down all the parts of it and explained it. And from there, because I had something to focus on, they could start to talk to me. And it was very bizarre, but I'm so happy that I was given someone that could understand me and understand the world I came from. And
0: um, so, what, what, so you now, what do you think all that was? The hallucinations, the visions?
2: Uh, I, I really don't know. Um, I've gone back over it a bunch of times, and whenever I, I get stressed, um, to a point where, and I'm not working my program because I am and I'm still in recovery. And whenever I'm not working my program or doing something, um, that gorilla actually still creeps into my
0: dreams. Um, oh, my, uh, my wife just, has a figure like that. That's that's very interesting. It's a it's a a, a giant like black brimmed hat, uh, skinny, spindly man. A little yeah. It's really, it's really, yeah
2: but yeah so like I think for me um, that, that's kind of like my own demon that uh, I, I feel that's the destructive nature that I can go to if I'm sure. not taking care of myself and when I'm left to my own devices <laughs> and I'm not working a spiritual program um, that shows back up in my life and when it shows up in my dreams now it's just like a regular gorilla sitting in the corner
0: as like a warning. Mm. Um, mm. Weird. That's kind uh, of so, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I say I say a lot of fucked up things are cool, but uh, <laughs> um, it's because uh, I like living in the spirit world, my friend. But um, so when did the uh, sexuality stuff come into play? Has it always been there, um, or, or when did when did you? come to terms with it I guess or I don't know break that down for that, me uh,
2: that's actually something that I started to deal with in part in rehab um I moved around a lot as a kid and I didn't really have that many friends you're a um, military kid my
0: dad is
2: ex-military but my parents are divorced and then she mm. married a military guy and then she got remarried again but um and all of that I, w- I never really understood friendships and boundaries um, because it was not something that I was good at. And on top of that, when I was from about 10 to 12, um, I was raped by a male. And I justified it as it was all me. Um,
0: way, way older and- or?
2: Oh, he was my age. Peer? Um, mm. Man. He was someone a little older than me, but he was also the only person who was nice to me oh man um, and so it was a way uh i didn't It, it just again with boundaries it destroyed them and yeah. um because it became this one person that i could trust really hurt me um in many ways um but i also didn't understand the fact that uh i could also be interested in men and not be hurt um and I also had my mom left when I was four, and then she moved out of the state when I was eight. And um, so I had the kind of this like female abandonment issue as well. Oh yeah. And so I was scared of people. When I first got into rehab, and um, in general, and my this girl that I had considered my fiance also had just left. So I was terrified of everyone. I was terrified of men. And when I got into the recovery, they said that I need to make friends with men. And I was terrified of men. And then they said I need to have non-sexual relationships with women. And, like, the only woman I know was, besides my parents, who never did anything wrong to me, um, uh, was this girl who I had considered my fiance. um, And uh, I was terrified of everyone and everything. And so that concept of am I straight, am I gay, am I bi, am I... I didn't even know the word yet, pansexual. Uh, what am I? Uh, really scared me for a long time, and I didn't. I began to deal with that question, and I'd always portrayed myself as an ally to the LGBT community, mm-hmm. but I never knew what I was. Uh, I had told people I was bi, or I told people I was gay, or I told people I was straight, and it really wasn't for a couple more years into recovery where I felt okay with it I was about to
0: say so you're dealing with all those feelings like sober all that questioning sober yeah newly sober that's fucking rough man that's tough that's real rough that's real tough
2: and um and uh so kind of chronologically my story gets a little odd so I'm just going to kind of lay out a chronology of it real fast Um, Oh, now it gets
0: odd.
2: (laughs) (laughs) originally I've moved uh, to a bunch of states. I've lived in about 14 or long-term residents in 14 states. Um, I primarily grew up in Charleston, summered in Delaware or Maryland, and in Georgia. Um, when I got sober, I was sent to Tennessee. I came back, went to Charleston for a couple years, moved to Seattle, lived there for a year, then lived in Washington, D.C. for two Traveled around the East Coast, and then I moved to Israel. And then I've been back and forth between America and Israel for the last two and a half years. But uh, so back to the sexuality. It wasn't until I moved to Seattle that I was I, I flat out came out to most everyone I know, and that I'm bi. And I came out actually at an AA meeting, terrified, terrified. Um, and I was on my way to Gay Pride that day, oh, and I was wow. like, I'm so terrified. Um, It was one of the best experiences I had, and if I'm also honest, uh, leading up into this I had lived, shall we say, a very liberal sex life. Um, uh, I became very involved with the alternative culture in Seattle, and I was... um, How should I put this? Um, I was a very prominent member in the kink and swinger community mm. for my age Word. group. Um, and I'm doing this. I was doing all this sober.
0: Yeah, that's. Yeah.
1: So here's my next. <clears throat> yeah. Here's my question is. Yeah. Um, how does that play with your faith, right? So I knew you when you were in Charleston before you moved to Seattle, and I remember you being very involved in temple and like doing, in a you know, very religious. Um, so, how, how, what does that do to your faith?
2: So that's a really good question. Um, I guess the reason I laid all that out is so that we could talk about that is um, when I, my faith when I first got sober I had, shall we say, this very animistic concept of faith. Um, this idea that going back to that, like hallucination of the gorilla, uh, I think played into this idea of animal spirits. And I really was into that. And when I got, when I came back to Charleston, I started to explore a number of faiths. I started going to uh, a mosque every Friday. Um, and I also started going to synagogue every Friday and Saturday as well.
0: What did you, um, what did you find at those respective places? <clears throat>
2: um, the, at the mosque, I found a dedication to faith that I've never seen anywhere else. Um, a peaceful and a serenity that, uh on a communal level that was just absolutely beautiful. um, And uh, this idea that a life of devotion um, without even a reward necessarily for that, but um, knowing the reward was experiential. It wasn't like I have faith and faith based on nothing. There was this idea of like, this experiential faith of, of calm and peacefulness, and I really like that. And then in the Jewish community, um, I, had, I had conflicts. I really, uh, there's this idea that I'd grown up with all these very liberal ideas of treat one another with kindness and respect, and um, we're all in this together. My, com- the reform community, which I was part of, was member. excuse me, I gotta sneeze. Excuse me. Bless you. Um, you. They all, thank you. They had all taught notions of acceptance and were very big, big participants in the civil rights movement of the '60s. And so, from that tradition, I saw these things uh, and read all these things. I I had grown up in a very Jewish, culturally Jewish home. Um, My mom at one point had wanted to be a rabbi. My, I was in went to Sunday school constantly. I was sent to a Jewish boarding school at one point. Um, it was... Uh, I, I felt a conflict because, well, I could hear the rabbi saying things, and I could meet people in the Jewish community as a whole that believed
0: these things.
2: I wasn't seeing it in the, the members of the congregation.
0: Oh, um, fair enough.
2: And... I had a rabbi who's a lovely, lovely lady who I respect and admire, who fights for trans rights, who fights for civil rights, um, wants to communicate with the Christian, Muslim and Buddhist and every other group in Charleston. But um, the participants w- and the congregants, they had this like armchair philosophy of participation. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Of this, hey, I give money to this group, so they're gonna do it.
0: Yeah,
2: and I didn't like. And I've seen that in churches, I've seen that in mosques, I've seen it in Wiccan groups, I've seen it in all sorts of groups. It's just the um, there was this thing in me that said that's not acceptable, and um, I'd say my politics definitely tie into my 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 articles of faith and my, my practice of faith, in that my ethical code says that I cannot preach something and then do another. Um, right. And I do believe in ultimate truth. I don't believe that, say, something that happens in America is okay, and then to go to Israel and say, well, it's, it's a different situation, so it's, it's told the truth is no longer the same.
0: I- and... Can I ask some specific uh, theological questions? Go for it. So, where uh, I'm just really trying to get an idea of um, beliefs. So, uh, you do you believe in like the the, the Abrahamic God, like the um, because in that's the God of uh, Muslim, <laughs> Judaism, and Christianity.
2: I would say a monotheistic concept um, of God is what I believe in. Um, In fact, there's two ways in which I use commonly to describe, well, three, but uh, two ways in which I primarily use to describe my concept of of God. One is influenced by the Bhagavad Gita. I can't pronounce it right now because my English and in Hebrew are screwing with my brain. So some of my words are going to be off today. But the, the, uh, the Hindu um, belief of Krishna, where he is everything and he is nothing. He is all the gods and he is the one God. And so for me, that's that's definitely, I believe there is one God out there. And that everything else is merely an expression of that one God.
0: How how do, you, how, do you, how do you um what's what's your interaction like with him?
2: Um, do you have- I have? I would say my interaction with God is based on a daily um a a daily request for humility. Hmm. Uh, because I, I ask for humility because I am not humble at all um, and it's something that I don't ask just in, in, in AA you'll hear I ask for a daily reprieve um, I guess that's true but I think the way I really think about it is I ask for a daily I ask for humility I, I kind of start my day off with asking for um, that I know thy will not mine do thy will not mine I I go over my whole body. I ask, may my hands touch what I want, not what I want. My eyes see what I will, not my will. I try and Hmm. go through every part of my body and ask that it do God's will, not mine, including my own mind.
0: I like that, actually. Yeah, that's really meditative. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've never heard that. (laughs) Uh, uh,
2: Yeah, I just do it because I remember... Asking me I will, not mine, didn't seem like enough to me. Um yeah. I finish every prayer. This is how crazy I am. I finish every prayer in I think three languages. Um, <laughs> uh, which I'm pretty sure I've screwed up the last one.
0: You? <laughs> you overachieving son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm just covering all my bases right well so okay this is this is um this is where i'm at this is something i'm i, I guess all christians really need to wrestle to because it because it's kind of a problem this is how i see it like when you said you went to the mosque and, and found just like peaceful people people dedicated to their faith it's like it's getting harder for me to understand why a, a, a devout follower of God, like would still go to hell by, by, you know what I mean? I'm not saying like, that's necessarily what I believe or like, well,
2: the, I, well then, yeah, I think for based on that, that same notion, um, what is hell? Who decides hell? um yeah 2,000 or not even 2000, 600 years ago during the inquisition either of you could go to hell for talking to me right now i'm jewish true uh, you, you... Well,
0: right i guess a more, a and, more sp- i'm sorry go ahead
2: and then like today or you would go to heaven and then the people that are already in heaven for eternity would be like wait a minute you should be in hell and so, it's to me, it becomes a very personal interpretation of, of heaven and hell. And I think heaven and hell, for me, are, um, are state, states of mind and states of of, of being. Um, I can be in hell while alive, or I can be in heaven, which is serenity.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can get down with that. And I, and I really... Uh didn't even mean to go the hell route. Like, I guess why I'm sort of attached to Christianity is like, if any idea is, is, um, firmly rooted in my head, it's that like the idea of sin and that there's something that needs to be reconciled between me and God. There's this, there's this enmity that I, it's like palpable and I can feel it and I have to work.
2: So are you looking for an amends from God as in a way in which you can amend your behavior for God?
0: Sure. And I would say that I, that there is no way that I can. Hence why, why, hence why I get down with the, with, uh, the savior deal. Um, I, I guess it just, man, I'll take questions. No one's asked me for 500 Alex. Uh, <laughs> why I, I don't even know I mean I, I could I could postulate for a second
2: I mean there's some basic questions do you think God loves you yes and you think God cares about you yes and he has unconditional love right yes so why but would you
0: I guess because So, I I'm guess
1: put so the, idea, the Christian I, 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 idea, right, is that God is all good, all things good, and can't be tainted with just. sin. And just,
0: yeah, that's <laughs>
1: and just, right. So that's that's uh, uh, intellectually, that's
2: the that's the deal, right? So I'm I'm going to take this somewhere back to my personal life that I guess interweaves my emotions and my politics, which affects my spirituality. And this is where I kind of go back to the concept I believe in universal truths. Um, My parents love me. They care about me. They have never done any wrong to me and have always worked their hardest to provide provide me with the best, even if I don't always agree that it's the best. And even if sometimes it wasn't the best for me, and there could have been other instance, they have unconditional love for me. They've seen them express positive feelings for members of the LGBT community, but... I am afraid to openly talk about my bisexuality or um, my uh, yeah, let's just leave it at bisexuality. You're talking about discuss that with them out of fear. Re- of rejection. Of rejection from someone who's never shown me any rejection. And when it, it, I find that very similar to, I guess what you were just saying about God, someone who's never shown you any hate or reason for distrust, there's this fear that you aren't good enough. And at yeah. least that's how it comes to me. And that's, there's this idea that I don't know where it comes from. Maybe that's just the fact that I'm, uh, maybe I've seen other people go through similar situations and it worked out bad. And I don't want to ruin supposedly a good thing. Um, but that for me is, has been one of those points that I've been trying to work on is accepting unconditional love. Even when I recognize even when it's directed at me. That's
0: a tough, and usually it's because there's something in us that we don't accept about ourselves. Usually that's the case. Mm, more, yeah. more often than not. So, um, so how would you get to Israel?
2: I don't
0: know. Um. <laughs> I mean, I went to sleep, right? I woke up. I was <laughs> There's <here>. dreidels everywhere. <laughs> um,
2: I think... I think I came to Israel because... You no, know, This kind of goes back to my politics and my religion. Um, and how do you define a Jew? Who is a Jew? Is it ethnic? Is it religious? Is it cultural? And at the same time, I was born into these concepts of what our reality and taught what are, this is how reality will be defined. And that this is what I am, no matter if I accept Jesus into my life, which
0: I highly doubt
2: I ever will. No offense, it's just not my thing.
0: Um, Never say never. We're, we're, we're going to have an never. altar call at the, at the end of the podcast.
2: <laughs> we will
1: be praying for your eternal soul. Why? Wonderful. Uh,
2: <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's something that I've not been able to escape. Judaism, no matter how many times I've tried to cast it off, mm. I am continually defined by this messed up notion that everyone else gets to pick whether I'm Jewish or not. Even if I go out and say I am Christian, I am Muslim, I am a Sikh, I am a Buddhist. There will, whenever anyone asks uh, someone who is born Jewish, well, what you if were you always Christian or what? Well, when you talk about your your past and you say, well, when I had my bar mitzvah or whatever, you are always Jewish. The Jewish community will always acknowledge you as Jewish, and they'll say you can never leave the Christian community will always be like, oh, well, you found Jesus, but you were born Jewish. And somehow this weird, random notion of blood quantum of my grandparents are Jewish or my grandparents were Jewish makes me Jewish makes no sense because I was born Jewish, despite the fact that like I said earlier, my parents converted. and um, well, so, because, so. Of, because of that, I ended up always being grouped in with Israel and when I had an opportunity to move countries, uh, I, I chose Israel because
0: what was the opportunity?
2: Um, job growth. Okay. Um, I was working in the field of international education.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I there,
2: there you go. um uh, There is this notion of no matter what I do, I'll always be considered Jewish. And I will always, because of propaganda and other various reasons, will always be associated with the country of Israel. And so I figured I'd come here. Plus, I was dumb, and like every other immigrant who comes to this country, uh, they tell you from far away, Oh, you have degrees, we need you, come here. And then you get here, and they're like, Work as a maid, or... <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, well,
2: here with masters and PhDs who clean up hospitals, or are maids, or work in grocery stores.
0: So what do you do? How long have you been there? What's it like?
2: So this time, I've been here just over five months. No, six months. Six months, I think.
0: Do y'all have cable TV and radio, and... Moving yes,
2: <laughs> yes, uh, but not everywhere. That's actually part of the issue here. Um, no, so it's the the life here is it's hard. So yeah, um, you, you
0: moved move there knowing no one, correct? You I knew there no
2: one. I had a few acquaintances right. that I moved here with, um, that I had met over the years. Um, but I moved here and it was hard. Um, I lived in a fairy tale for the first six months. I got to work on some amazing projects. I got to travel to places that um, most people never get to travel. Uh, when I moved here, I had a mohawk and a curly mustache.
0: Um, How did that play? It was the
2: best thing I could have done. Really? Um, I didn't look like a Jew, and I didn't look like a Muslim, and I definitely wasn't... I, they didn't care about me, because I didn't look like the bad guy. Oh, so, very... so if
0: you looked like one or the other, you, you think you would have experienced animosity? Oh, I know. Or I you would. know you would have? Interesting. I know.
2: I know. Um, I, I, so
0: is there lots of English speaking over there?
2: There's enough. That's why I say it's hard. There's enough English and everything is Americanized just enough to where you get here and you think, I got this. I can, I can make it, and um, I've seen more than one or two new immigrants or tourists sitting on the, on a bus on the side of the street or on a bus uh, station bench crying because they don't know how to use the bus, and they just realized how hard it is.
0: Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Did you make any uh, cultural faux pas?
2: Uh, no, uh, not that I'm aware of. Um, I made some language faux pas, like uh, like when you say, not now, the direct translation is loakshav. But when you say that to someone, it's kind of like, not now, fuck off. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was at my girlfriend's family. Oh, airport, no. <laughs> and I was trying to be very polite. They were giving me more and more food because she comes from a North African family. <laughs>
0: and you were like...
2: They just keep giving you food. If you finish your plate, that means you want more food. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Lo, lo, secha. Which is, no, no, not no, thank you. Lo, shav. Uh, it's basically, no, no, thank you. Not now, fuck off. <laughs> That's so great. That's funny. But, uh, no, I mean, I've had some really interesting opportunities here. And it's allowed me to explore my own faith and what does it mean to be Jewish or mean to be a person?
0: That's what, uh, this, this might be like a, this most ignorant question in the world, but, uh, so like you're, you're living in the Holy land. Is there any like noticeable feeling at certain sites? Is there any, is there anything to that? Or is that just, uh,
2: I would, no, I would, I would say there is, and there isn't. And I think part of it is what you bring with you. Okay. Uh. When I was younger, I was very right-wing, pro-Israel, damn the Palestinians, they are evil, and um, that this is my homeland, this is the where I come from, um, <clears throat> and that's coming from someone who comes from a historically British and German family, so I have no connection to this land. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i remember the first time i went to the western wall i cried i could feel it was a palpable feeling and i bawled my eyes out um i think and i brought that with me and the second time i went to the wall when i was older i didn't get that much i go every now and then now
0: that's the whaling hours. wall the
2: whaling wall the western wall it's the It's one of the walls to the old temple. Um,
0: Like Solomon's temple, old temple? Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: And uh, the only time I, again, I felt something there again, was once when I took a, a Danish friend of mine who was a Christian girl and a former student of mine who was Muslim, who grew up in East Jerusalem, and they had never been to the wall. And the... Muslim girl had always seen it from a window inside the wall, and she had seen people praying at it from the other side, and the Danish girl is a Christian girl, more she's atheist, um, who grew up in a, a Christian country, and to see these two girls, one who lived in the, in the city where the wall was, and one on the other side of the world, both seeing us for the first time in their 20s, um that was a spiritual moment for me. And it wasn't because of the wall, but it was because here are these two people who are so opposite, um, minus their gender, um were having this beautiful moment. And that for me was something special. Um then aside from that, I I like I I do feel something in the Negev when I'm which is the desert down south. Um but I, I'm not sure if that has to do with simply the fact that it's a desert and the isolation that deserts provide really bring you inward. That's they, where that's um, where the, the, the silence,
0: w- the wandering spirits are. So they say. yeah.
2: It's also um, is, throughout is, thousands and thousands of years. There have been many different monastic traditions. Yesterday, I was just at um, a Greek Orthodox church called Marsaba, Saba which is 1,400 years old, and there's been monks there ever since.
0: Is that the desert that like, Jesus wanted to run?
2: Yes, that's that same desert. Oh, man.
0: See, um, me and my wife want to come to Israel at some point, so now I've got a tour guide. I'm definitely gonna hit you up, dude. <laughs> there's,
2: there's a piece of beautiful religious tradition from, from so many different groups, um, and especially in the desert. Um, Christians, um, Christians, um, various Jewish sects, uh, various Muslim sects, merit various. Um, That's
0: like the Desert Fathers. They all that everyone talks about. That's
2: the Eastern Fathers. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they all come from there. And it's a place where you can sit and be quiet and silent with God. Um, and yeah, uh, that
0: sounds great.
2: It can be maddening. And it can be super peaceful at the same time. Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh, I had that same experience. There's this, um, uh, there's a, a Catholic uh, church built into the side of a mountain, like outside of Barcelona in Spain. Right? It's like you have to take a train there and then climb this mountain, pretty much, to get to this. Um, no. And there's there's uh, nuns that live there and yada yada yada. And I remember during the day, it's like one of the most beautiful, inspiring. Um, I feel the one and connectedness with God, and then my wife and I—they have a little in there too. It's it's turned into a very touristy thing, but they have a little in there. And um, and I remember going out in the middle of the night, and just um, it, it was it was like I I could uh, I had this innate fear of God. It was like it was bizarre. I just felt this incredible—not a dark, but just the power of God as I look out over these mountains and these beautiful um, stone carvings into this mountain. It was incredible. And it, it spoke to me of the duality of God, right. Or, or the, the many facets and uh, representations of God. And and even in the Christian tradition, right? Like we, we see different aspects of God. God isn't just, you know, this one. So anyway, it was, um, it was incredible to, to, to feel those things. So anyway.
2: And one of the things you kind of hit on was geography. Um, and when you read the Bible, it's one thing. And you can kind of get this understanding of the Bible. And if you read it chronologically, and, and you go, especially for the Jewish holidays, they follow the seasons. And um, there are these things that you're like, okay, this is an interesting story, or this or that. But when you go to the locations in which the stories are written... There is an understanding that I get personally um, that makes more sense. I remember up north uh, in the mountains and there was this massive thunderstorm. It was in itself, this was a beautiful weekend. We had an art kind of festival camp going on. And I remember it started with this coincidentally, this one girl, was on this huge metal stage doing flamenco dance, and there was a guitarist next to her. And then in the background, you see lightning and behind all these clouds, and you hear this rolling thunder that starts. And so she's doing her little weird flamenco thing, and you hear, and you see this beautiful light show, and the sounds that came from the sky and rolled through the hills, um, it's it, you could understand why someone from 2000, 3000, 4000 years ago believed that there was a giant army in the sky going to war. It sounded like weapons clashing and drums beating and every horror you've ever seen of like Vietnam where there's like plumes of fire or whatever they drop mm-hmm.
0: their
2: drums, the sky looked like that um yeah and, and uh, it was just this very surreal moment and then when you're down south there is this just all these things that kind of add up to it and i when going to play when you talk about places and feeling that i kind of get a different intellectual understanding which makes me appreciate for me personally the spiritual because it 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 divorces it from just a purely hypothetical and allows me to tie an experience um, to a story. And it makes that story resonate with me more, which teaches me something either about the Torah or myself. That's right. awesome.
0: Um, we're, uh, That's awesome. Man, we got to wrap up. This was awesome. I got uh, I got one last question. So okay. when will World War Three happen and is Israel involved?
2: Uh, I don't know. What, I think- what
0: is the political climate over there? Is it tense? Is something about to go down?
2: I mean, we have a war every four years, so. God. Um, Stuff's always going down.
0: That's true.
2: <laughs> I mean, every building here has a bomb shelter. Aren't um, they-
0: Did they start rebuilding the temple, or was that in, like, that was, like, Man, it's too early. I'm so way off. Didn't that happen like 1946? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what, what was the whole? What was the whole? People people said that the reinstitation re-insti, reinstating of Israel as a nation was like the beginning of the end times or whatever. And I was in 46, and aren't they just they're trying to rebuild the temple or something? People have said
2: that the Jewish tradition has moved so far away from having the temple that it is actually, uh, a, it would be counterintuitive for Jews to make a temple because we no longer have priests that rule our tradition and rule our lives. We have rabbis, and so there have been two temples that have been built. One uh, was the first temple, and then it was destroyed by the Babylonians, and then the second temple which was built when they came back from exile in Babylon, and that was destroyed by the Romans. And that stayed empty till the Muslims showed up, and then they built the Dome of the Rock, um, and that is one of the main contention areas of contention now in Israel as the Dome of the Rock is in the center of Jerusalem, and it is on that same site as the Western Wall. And so that's why... Uh, there is so much. Everybody's issue. everybody's gunning for it. Yeah. Um, as far as, will Israel be involved?
0: Yeah. They'll
2: <laughs> <laughs> be involved. Yeah. I'm not sure which side they'll be on, but they'll be on a side.
0: Right. They'll I... be on America's uh, side. Right, this is, and this will be my last. Uh, I'll end with this This pretty funny Israeli story. So, like, um, at the, the Mall of Louisiana in Baton Rouge, like, Every um, center little kiosk is ran by um, Israelis, just like tons yeah. and tons. And there's this like super... they all probably illegal. I think they were, I don't know actually, but there was this... No, there it was there... likely illegal, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was I was working at The Gap and uh, there was this super hot Israeli chick. Um, and I, I, I like clumsily worked my way into getting a date with her, right? And so I went to go, she was like, yeah, come come pick me up at my apartment. And so it was, dude. It was like straight out of like Taken. Like I, I opened the door, and like fifteen of her like Israeli relative dudes, smog, like it's smogged out with cigarettes, and they just stop talking and just look at me, and they're like, "What are your intentions with my with my with my sister?" And I was just like, "Oh, uh, uh, we're just gonna go outside." Yeah. <laughs> so that's my. <laughs> and then she just showed me her like IDF. Uh, Break my arm moves, so it was interesting. It was interesting.
1: That is interesting.
0: Yeah,
2: that's
0: yeah.
2: I'm be... <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's the wow.
2: standard way.
0: Yeah, but uh, the, uh, dude, thanks for talking to us. And I'm I'm um. You know, I'm I'm not even kidding. Now you're bound to uh, show me around Israel because I really want to go there. Um, at some point. In the next I few love years. showing
2: people around this country. Is it would it be other... would it be
0: expensive a trip?
2: To get here, yes. Once you're here, no.
0: Okay, cool. Right on, man. Dope. Well, um, well, you know, we, we'll, you. we like to take this time to um, if if anybody has heard anything they like and they just want to you know turn their life over to Jesus, you know, we'll just we'll have. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> anyone we'll just Everybody? wait wait for, wait for a second hands going up all over the room thank you thank you <laughs> awesome Thanks, man wife. good to we'll meet you
2: it, peace y'all have a good night you, or day uh,
0: yeah good day uh, I'm just beginning you have a good night sorry. you have a good night I'll sorry. have a
2: good night, <laughs> night y'all have a good day peace
1: drinker and his mother cried
0: in bed alright that, that was pretty interesting I enjoyed it I that.
1: told you I, why is like the most interesting dude on the planet I think
0: uh, I always worry I'm the worst at uh being <laughs> accidentally like culturally super offensive so that's why I'm like always having to like like do you remember um do you remember the art teacher, what was her name, like Miss Daigle? No. Not Miss Smiley. Anyway, she was an art teacher, and we, me and Patrick Head were just going back and forth making fun of uh, uh, Mormons, <laughs> like laughing oh, as shit, oh, and we were just shit. laughing, 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 and then uh, Miss Daigle just goes, you know, I'm Mormon. And we were like, oh, oh
1: <laughs>
0: shit. <laughs> like, I always yeah. do that, man. High school kids are assholes.
1: No, but what? Like, why is super, super uh, understanding? Yeah, and um, knows we're not trying to be offensive I have, in any. Reason,
0: so, and I, I hate feeling like stumped. Like that question he asked me. But it's like I could come back with the biblical answer. But I guess I'm wrestling with like, okay, well, but what? What is under all this? What do I believe? And why? And why, why do I believe? It? That's the big question.
1: That's the question he asked was, why? Yeah.
0: I had spiritual experience, I guess, is the answer.
1: Yeah. But, so we were talking about sin, well, right? And it, and, well, and it,
0: yeah, it makes sense to me. It, it makes sense at a cognitive and a spiritual level for me. Because...
1: yeah. Well, and I can feel the dissonance. I can feel it's yes. like
0: it's it's. Uh, I can feel the disconnectedness
1: when um, <clears throat> when I sin. Yeah. So that's for me. That's why, and I feel like I need to uh, reconcile that. Yes. Right. Right. So for me, that's why.
0: Me too. All um. Right. But it was. But it was- So take that. Why? Yeah, that's man. Why. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go type up like a seven page rebuttal and and just, and just have an episode and I'm not going to invite you so on it and I'm just gonna be like this is why this is what I meant to say
2: <laughs> yeah
1: which is so funny because like he doesn't care I know he- dude exactly <laughs> he was just asking questions
0: no, no it was a good question that's what that's kind of why no, yeah, it's that's kind of why we're question. doing this deal and, and I kind of want to ask that question to like my pastor and like other people and see what their answer is.
1: Yeah. I think that would be really interesting to, to hear. It's like, I mean, what, you a know,
0: Idea? Why? Why? For sure. Um, Why? What else is going on? <laughs> um,
1: I mean, like all kinds of stuff. I think uh, one thing that's going on. God, you got ahead. You oh, shoot. well, I
0: got, um, <laughs> apparently I'm leading a small group this semester. That's like, scary. Yeah, I I thought I'd gotten out of it. Um, it's that like my pastor wanted me and this dude to kind of start a um, a recovery ish small group, and I you know I kind of gave my stipulations. I was like, yo, like we're gonna cuss and shit. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> so he's such a he's it's so funny. He's so um, he's such a nice guy and he's so good. He he actually uh volunteered that information he was like i mean y'all can curse it'd be okay and i was like oh thanks, <laughs> <buddy."> <laughs> um, a- but, but it kind of fell off and then like i just got an email uh, the other day it's like so yeah ben tells me y'all would be doing the small group and i was like oh i guess so i guess uh, so but it's only it's only i'm making one of my new sponsees come um you're making
1: him come to a church function
0: yeah, well, he's he's exploring Christianity, um, like, by choice, and he's just not sure. Man, this is, like, it's so tough, and I don't know what to do. He's just, like, he's trying to go deeper with Christianity and God, but he just, like, is trying to look for practical ways, and he kind of gave the, man, I... I I feel like I really searched for God and, I, and I, I didn't get any answers and I was like, well, tell me like when you say I really searched for God, what does, what does that mean? What did, what did you do? Right. What are some steps you took? And he was just kind of uh-huh. like, Oh, nothing really. And I was like, well, why, <laughs> why don't you, I was like, I gave him um, a press and sprinkle book uh, cause he's a big reader. Um, and I was like, why don't you, um, come check the small group out. Why don't you come check my church out? Why don't you actually like investigate, uh, and right. F- find out for yourself. So, I'm gonna get him to come, and this other alcoholic at my church, and this other uh, potential um, alcoholic at my church. So I think it's just like four of us, and I don't even know what we're gonna talk about, or what I don't know. I'm, yeah, it'll be interesting.
1: I, I tried to do that um, when I was like pretty, like we're actually really early in sobriety, and we tried to go through. Don Miller has this workbook called Open Table. I think. Is it good? Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty good. That, cause really, that's because that's what I'm looking like for. I need like a good
0: book. Congregation, if y'all want to know some kind of radical man, I don't know anything. Give me some suggestions here. Something that would be would, because we also want it to be a place where like people can ask questions that you're not sure about.
1: Yeah, no, this is open table was exactly that. It was like exploring Christianity without any like pretenses, right? Or with, like no holds
0: barred discussion. So that sounds good. But check what? it out it didn't work for you though or it didn't work out. no just
1: nobody would just nobody followed through like oh. we just didn't we met like a couple times and then people just went on
0: on with their lives yeah so as tends to happen yeah, yeah. so um, um cool man yeah i'm i'm gonna watch john wick too i'll let you know how it is
1: i fucking hate keanu reeves did so you see
0: much. john wick one no, because I hate Keanu Reeves. You're smoking rocks then, dude, because that movie is the cat's putting you No, know, but
1: like somebody just told me that like last night that it was super good and that John Wick 2 is really good. So I hope it that is. you like oh. it. I just I just I really think that Keanu Reeves and Nick Cage can go drive off a fucking cliff.
0: <laughs> yeah, together. Nick Cage is ridiculous. Uh we got an email to read and we got some shout outs. Yay yeah, yay. Yeah. Um I'll read the email first. Can you pull up the shout out? Yeah. Okay. It's not, yeah. Uh this is from John M and he's calling or he's he's writing Where's from, John M? Oh, from? He's writing from down under and he just stopped oh, listening God because please. of my crocodile please dundee. Please. Dude, not again. <laughs> Pumpy breast uh, kid. That man's a national uh, icon. <laughs> um yeah. Hey guys, this is John M from Brisbane, Australia. That is awesome. That's awesome. Uh just wanted to drop you a line saying how much I enjoy your podcast. I'm a dad with two grown up kids who are married, and I also have two teenagers living at home. We'll pray for you, bud. God bless you, sir. Yeah, God bless you. Uh, Before I met Jesus 30 years ago, I dabbled in drugs, but mainly weed. That's what I'm talking about. I do worry, this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. I do worry about my teenagers, of course, in this messed up world. It seems so hard for them to know who they are. Anyway, love your podcast. You guys are so real and so much fun. What I really admire is your courage to live life and to tell others about your struggles. Keep it up. Thanks, John. That's stuff like this uh, helps us to keep it up. Um, so we appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah, appreciate. So um, our buddy Jason M on, on Twitter uh, followed us, and like if anybody ever follow, go follow us on Twitter, guys. First of all. But if anybody ever follows us and I'm like, oh, this is a real person and not just, like, somebody trying to sell stuff or, like, you know what I mean? Or, like, bot accounts or whatever. I always try to reach out and just say thank you because we really do appreciate it. So I told Jason thank you and then he told us that it's truly a pleasure to be entertained, so – which was very nice. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, very appreciate that. Uh, And I'm also going to shout out – Tierney Edwards, Josh Morton, Kevin Ming, Jonathan Gaiman, and Kyle Harmer for always showing, uh, they like statuses. <laughs> oh, word. <That's laughs> so, <awesome. laughs> appreciate the likes, my man. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, y'all, you know. Keep liking. Yeah. Like we always said, man. Follow us you, on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, if, if y'all got stories to tell, um let us know and we'll tell your story, man. That's where, um, we're trying to get some, uh, real life celebrities, man. Yeah.
1: Speaking of next week, we have, um, somebody on that we met just cause they emailed us. And so we're really excited. Came on and told his story. So tune in next week. Who is that? For Scott. Come on. Bro. Oh yes. <laughs> I <forgot>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, Jesus. So, anyway,
1: email us, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. Like us and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Yeah, man.
0: Yeah, tweet um, Church and Other Drugs if you think Jay should watch John Wick. You're going to get an overwhelming response. I'm still not going to watch it. Dude, it redeems Keanu. From a whole career of garbage? It does, dude. Whole career so. of garbage. Point Break. Bill and Ted. Incredible. Yeah, he's played fucking fuck. Bill and Ted. He's played
1: Bill and Ted for thirty years. It's the same fucking character Dude, in every if, movie. Dude, if you
0: discover gold, you wear gold at every occasion. You know what I'm saying? That makes you a good actor,
1: though. I something makes you a great
0: garbage.
1: actor. He, um,
0: like I said, he and Nick Nicholas Cage. The bees. Can go- No, not the bees. Have you ever seen, uh, um, God. Oh, the straw man. What was it called? That movie where he got uh, the bee uh, cage put on his head. Like not the bees. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? What is that movie called?
1: I don't remember, but it's awful. Just like every other Nicolas Cage movie (laughs) and every other Keanu Reeves movie. So there congregation, I said it.
0: (laughs) I really want to pull-up, not the bees. <laughs> yeah, Alright, anyway, we got to bounce.
1: Congregation,
0: we out. I'm going to leave you with Nicolas Cage, not the bees.
2: What, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, no, not the bees! Not the ah! <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Alright. Yeah, uh... It, it, <laughs> 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 Everybody, just go um, Google or uh, YouTube, Nick Cage, not the bees. It's the greatest thing you'll ever watch. Later, y'all.